people here uh, back in the last century, I guess is the best way to describe it, um, we, we didn't have all the digital stuff that you've got. And a lot of our music was on a thing called a cassette tape. And cassette tapes, uh, they were a little big, they, uh, they could twist, they could break. Uh, you ever have to crack it? If, if you ever had cassette tapes, sometimes you had to crack it to get it to uh, the wheel to unstick. Sometimes you could tell when your tape was getting eaten by the tape player because all of a sudden it would start getting gobbled. And you're going, no! And you hit the... Stella, when uh, Weldell was a young girl in the 1990s and she had all her music a what they would call a mixed cassette, her favorite songs. She was from England. Her family had taken a vacation to Spain, and like many 12-year-olds do, she lost her cassette on the, in, in, when they were in Spain on the beach somewhere. And, of course, she was sad about that, but life went on. Wendell, uh, uh, Stella was shocked to find that it was found more than two decades later and ended up in a Stockholm exhibit. The exhibit was based on uh, plastics in the sea and how they don't de- uh, uh, disintegrate. And de- uh, but the amazing thing about this, the tape had been recovered by a UK artist, Mandy Barker, who was finishing up this art, uh, this art exhibit to be shown in Stockholm, Sweden. It was called Sea of Artifacts. And what was very interesting is that except for the first couple of songs on the tape, it was playable. And they began to show that plastics could last a long time at sea and whatever. But what was amazing to me is that something she had lost 20 years later, she was able to find. In the text we're going to read, Abraham has been given a promise. That promise has taken a long time to fulfill. It took 25 years from the time he was given the promise to the time it was fulfilled. And in that time, as time passes, we can begin to forget about promises that we were given, things that we've lost. We're getting older, life's changing, circumstances have happened that have not been the way we thought they should play out. And as a result, we begin to feel that uh, dreams or purposes or desires are lost. And we wonder if we can ever get them back. I want to look with you at Romans 16, uh, Romans 4 rather, beginning in verse 16. Going on through verse 25, this is Paul writing about a man named Abraham. So the promise is received by faith. It was given as a free gift and we all, we are all certain to receive it. Whether, it is, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, it has, uh, it, if we have faith like Abraham, for Abraham was the father of all who believed. 
That is what the scripture means when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life, who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that is how, your, how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though he was about a hundred years of age. He, uh, uh, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, he grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do what he promises. And, and because Abraham's faith, God counted it to him as righteousness. And when God counted it as righteousness, it was just, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too. Assuring uh, us that God will also count righteousness if we believe in the one who raised Jesus uh, from the dead and uh, handed him over to die because of our sins, who was raised to life, that he might make us right with God. I want to talk to you firstly about the creeping reality of unbelief. This is not just something that happens one day. There are people that maybe will go through a traumatic experience and it shatters their faith. But most of us, most people will deal with the fact that, that unbelief is creeping. And what I say by that is when people first get saved, man, they could believe God for everything. I mean, nothing is impossible. We know that. We read that. Nothing but, but God, nothing is impossible. We know that God can do everything. We're convinced uh, if he's able to save us, draw us in, uh, the, the dirty sinner that we were, the rejected, you know, rejecting God, sometimes even fighting against him, uh, mocking him, uh, that he saves us. And we're like, wow, if he could do that, he can do just about anything. But then life begins to happen. Right? We live life. And as Pastor Mitchell would say all the time, you have to live life to the end. You can't just point back and say, well, I did this, this, and that. You have to keep going to the end. But think about this, because Abraham dealt with many of these as well. First of, we have failures. You're going to be serving God for any length of time. You're going to fail from time to time. That's going to be a reality. Sometimes that might be a sin. Sometimes that just might be a bad judgment call. Sometimes that's a bad decision we make. Abraham had some times like that. As soon as he's given the promise that your seed will be great, uh, he goes into the land and there's a famine. There's circumstances that have conspired against him. And now he rather than stays in the land that God had promised him, he then runs down to Egypt. Well, he's on his way to Egypt. He takes a look at Sarah and goes, man, you're beautiful. This is going to be a problem. They're going to kill me and take you as your wife. So you tell them you're my sister. And to my amazement, Sarah let him live. And they do this. And the king in Egypt goes, hey, sister, right? Okay, come on into my harem. 
But then uh, there's problems there, and in the problems, uh, uh, it's believed that many of his Pharaoh's wives either couldn't get uh, uh, in Egypt, they in the court, they couldn't get pregnant, or they were miscarrying. And so uh, Abraham prays, his his wife is restored to him, God spares him, has to visit Abimelech in a dream, and God helps him through that time. But I can imagine that, you know, uh, seven lambs were given to Sarah as kind of a parting gift to kind of remind, hey, you lied about this. Had to deal with their failure. He would go on to lie about her as his wife again and say, she is my sister. They... We're in frustration. Years had gone by with the promise. I think it was 12 or 13 years had gone by and they hadn't seen Sarah get pregnant. And this frustration began to boil up, especially in Sarah. And she said, hey, I've got this idea. I've got this young girl named Hagar. She's my servant. Why don't you have a child with her? And sure enough, Sarah Hagar gets pregnant, gives birth to a child named Ishmael. Ishmael becomes a problem. First, Sarah sends her away as the child, and God tells Hagar to go back. She goes back, and then finally, uh, again, when they circumcise Isaac, and he's mocking Isaac, uh, they send him away, uh, and uh, she never does return. But this was a major mistake. And so in life, past failures... Which you can note doesn't stop the plan of God. Doesn't stop the purposes of God. And didn't stop the promises of God. But they were there. And sometimes we go through a few things and we're like, Oh, God promised me that before my mistake, failure, issue, whatever. Also, there's the passing of time. It says in our text in verse 19 that Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though he was about 100 years old and figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Time had gone on. Circumstances look very bad towards that. And so he's going on. 25 years have gone by since the promise. Some people, it's time, as time goes on. We kind of expect, we get a word, we get a promise, we, God speaks to us, we expect it to kind of happen very quickly. We expect the fast track, we expect the, the line. We don't, you know, when we're driving somewhere, we don't expect traffic. But then we find out that there's a lot of things that can slow us down. And so in life, there's things slow us down. Some of this may have been on Abraham, but time goes on. It actually, it's a kind of an amazing transition. There's one chapter that ends and literally says, and Abraham was 86 years old. And the next chapter begins, and when Abraham was 99 years old. That those four 
13, 14 years are gone. We don't know what happened in the midst of those, what was all transpiring, what uh, it just probably was serving God. But time goes on and there's times, there's gaps where in our lives it feels like nothing is really happening. God made a promise, but it doesn't look like anything's moving forward towards that. This is why the Apostle would write Galatians 6.9, Let us not be weary in doing good, for just at the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Why? Because there are time gaps. God doesn't always move in our time frames. We want him to move. We want him to do something. We want something to happen. And, and, and it's not happening when we want it to happen. The danger of many people like this is they begin to get bitter. Bitter people destroy often their own lives simply by, because they're mad, they're disappointed, unrealistic expectations, Bitterness is the poison that people drink and wait for others to die. And they wonder why it doesn't begin to work well for them. This can happen even towards God. God, you promised. God, you told me. And now it's God's fault. God didn't give up on the promise, but... This can happen. Unanswered prayers. People have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for something to happen. And it didn't happen when they wanted it or how, how they wanted it. And sometimes it's impossible for it to ever happen. Maybe they prayed for their, an, un, uh, an unsaved loved one to get saved, get saved, get saved, and then they pass away. God, you could have. And people begin to get bitter towards God. Their expectations of life begin to get fairly lowered. Well, it didn't work out, so I guess I have to settle for less. I have to settle for less. I have to settle for less. You actually see this in Abraham's life when he, when they say, well, when Sarah says, I guess I'm not going to be the one. I guess you need to take Herigar. This is settling for less. God told them, no, 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 that's not the way I meant it. Sarah's going to be the one. That's the way it's going to work. But in this, expectations. I've seen people actually change their theology. Change who they expect God to be because they're disappointed. I've seen people actually literally backslide. Because God didn't do it the way they wanted them to, Him to do it. They get bitter at God. People who get like this get very defensive, very self-righteous, very selfish. You see this in their lives because they have to protect what they have left. And what others, when someone else is blessed... When someone else receives favor from God, they get angry and more upset. You see this in life. 
You see this in people's hearts. In our text, it tells us that these don't have to finish you off. They don't have to be the end of you. Reclaiming or laying hold again of the promises. It tells us in our text in verses 20 and 21 that he did not waver at the promises through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Strengthened in faith. That's kind of a fascinating term. The Amplified Bible says, fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word to that which he had promised. So the question then becomes is, who is your God? Who is the one whom you serve? Is it the God that you had when you were a new convert that could do anything and everything? Or has he shrunk down to not be able to overcome circumstances and even our personal failures? When this begins to happen, some people begin to get double-minded. James tells us that when you ask him, be sure that you ask in faith in God alone. And do not waver for a person who has divided loyalties will always be unsettled as a wave in the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. They are unstable in everything they do. So is it God who's going to take care of it? Or is it you? And when it becomes you, then your faith is in you and God shrinks. When you have to fix it, when you always have to be the one to set things right and in order, when, and it going back and forth, you end up accomplishing nothing for God in life. There's no satisfaction. There's no peace. And the personal promises to your life become, huh, huh, yeah, huh. God's going to help you. Yeah, we'll see. God can do. Yeah, we'll see. That's a very dangerous place to be with the promises of God because what eventually is, you can talk yourself out of it. Words are powerful. And how you speak about God and the things of God are very powerful. Because as Jesus said, what's in the heart comes through the words. Or the old expression, what's in the well, comes up in the bucket. And so you can begin to tell where people's faith are at, just how they talk. As soon as something happens, oh, I knew it was bad, I knew it was over, I did, you know, just, just, you just dropped your paper, that's all. Pick it up, go on, man. But some people, as soon as something happens, they are absolutely convinced that it's all bad, always going to be that way. You can tell by their words, because their God is so small, they're the ones who have to fix it. 
faith in God. It says Abraham in our text never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, he grew stronger. How? He brought glory to God. Do those words bring glory to God? Would God be, would, would, would you be pleased with God if he was standing right there and heard those words? See, that changes how we speak. Faith is energized by words, so is unbelief. But it's really, they're strengthened more and more. Dealing with an individual recently. And she is kind of obsessing on one issue. And she keeps talking about it and it gets bigger. She talks about it and gets bigger. She talks about it and gets bigger. Talks about it and gets bigger. And I'm like, and it's something that will never happen. Never happen. But she's beginning to grow it in her mind. Words we speak begin to grow things in our minds. As we speak, it reveals what we're expecting. It's the energy of life. Words reveal the heart. This is where faith comes from. It's where unbelief comes from. Hebrews 11, 13 and 14. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads on the earth. And obviously people who say such things are looking forward to a country that they can call their own words, energize. It's amazing how many words we speak. It's like 50 or 60,000 a day. On average, the average person. How many of those bring glory to God? How many of them lift up the name of Jesus, the things of God, the purposes of God? And then comes the issue of obedience. Abraham had to believe God. It tells us in our text that Abraham's faith did not weaken that he was moving forward in this. And in the King James, it says that if we'll walk in the steps of Abraham, that God counted this for his righteousness. And this becomes very important to understand. Because this has to do with obedience when you don't see the outcome. When, it does, when it's not clear. When God tells you to do something, deals with your heart and mind, or it's clear in His Word, and you can't see how that will work out, so you say no. I've seen people do this. I mentioned when I was in Lithuania that people thought, if I go to London, I can make more money. I could make more money, but I, I, would incur- I would tell them, you know what, you're stepping out of the will of God. You don't understand the dynamics. You'll be a foreigner in a foreign land. You're going to end up with menial jobs. You're going to end up with, oh, no, no, we can do it. Listen, London's more expensive. You have no idea how much more expensive it is. All they hear is the salaries. 
And every one to a person who went to London chasing money ended up backsliding. Every one of them. Some of them came back. Some of them we never heard from again. Obedience to God, even when you don't see the outcome. One couple stayed. They said, we could go to England. They both spoke better English than most Americans, as far as the king's English is concerned. And that they would have gone and they could have fit in and such, but they said, no, we're going to stay. Do the will of God. They're blessed today. Pastoring the church. Hebrews 11.15, if they had longed for this country that they came from, they could have gone back. Words will set desires in your life. As you speak, it will absolutely reveal what's in your heart. It will change your vision, how you see the promises of God. Verse 17 of our text says, and this is what the scripture meant when God told him, I've made you the father of many nations. And this happened to Abraham who was who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Either you'll face and focus on the obstacles or you'll focus on the promises. And finally, it'll change your action. Faith without works is dead. Abraham obeyed God. Obedience has to be married to faith. They have to go together. If you're not obeying what God has told you to do, if you're not being obedient to the things of God, what the Bible says to do, then you cannot expect God to help you. You've put yourself in a place where you said you'll do it. But obedience requires us to be and do what God wants us to do. Let's talk about finally seeing the promises through. Because Abraham, he saw the promises. And eventually Isaac was born, which was the promise. And to their own mocking, I don't know if you understand this, but Isaac is named Laughter because at one time in the promise... They both were caught by the Lord laughing at the promise. And I think they named him laughter to remind themselves of how good God is. Yet we laughed at this, and yet here it is. To get there, you have to first be content with your progress. There are a number of entries in Columbus's diary as he was sailing from Spain that all he said is we sailed west. That's all it says. That's the whole entry for the day. Today we sailed west. When we woke up, could only see ocean. When we went to bed, only see ocean. But we're making progress. Nothing seemed to change, but it was happening. Philippians 1.6 And I am very certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God has a work in your life. He has a plan. And if you'll be faithful to obey him and believe him, you'll see that come to pass. 
Sometimes you have to be a little discontented with the promises you're not seeing. And what I mean by that is that you don't just settle in and say, oh, I guess this is just the way it is. I remember I was one time in prayer when I was pioneering. And, uh, you know, I was making a whopping $6 an hour. And I went to my boss and I said, I just was in prayer that morning. I didn't, hadn't really talked to my wife about it. I hadn't really planned it. But I was in prayer. I'm like, God, you got to help me. And that day, my boss came up to me, and we just started talking. And I said, hey, he, he complimented me. He said, you know, hey, I would, you're doing a great job. I said, hey, listen, I'm, it's really tight. Is there anything you can do? And he went up to the office, and he uh, asked them, and I got a 50-cent raise just like that. Just because I, I, I just said, hey, and then we got a, another raise, which I actually went and asked him if he could take away because the raise pushed me into another tax bracket. And actually, even though they gave me 25 cents more an hour, it actually took like 28 cents an hour out of my check. So, I, so he said, okay, we'll fix that. And he moved it up again. Ended up with four raises in two months. As I said, God, you promised you'd provide for me. God wants you to challenge him on his promises. He doesn't mind that. He doesn't mind if you get a little bit and say, God, I want to see what you promised me. Take it to God and, and, and bring it and say, God, show me, help me. God doesn't mind doing that. That's part of what Paul writes and means in Philippians 3.12. And I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on that I may, that, uh, that perfection for which Christ Jesus has possessed for me. I'm pressing on to having all that God has, the promises. And sometimes we just have to really dust off the old promises and reclaim them. Find them again. Visit them in our hearts, in our minds. Bring them to the altar and say, God, this is what you said you were going to do for me. Philippians, I'm sorry, Hebrews rather, 6, 11 and 12 says, For our great desire is that you'll keep on loving others as long as you live, And in order to make that certain, what is your hope will come true. Then you will not be spiritually dull or indifferent. Instead, you will be following the example of those who are going to inherit God's promise because of their faith and their endurance. There are promises God has for us as a church, promises God has for you as an individual that you have to take to God and say, God, here it is. I was reading an interesting little article. And this man, was, uh, he was talking about this store, Nordstrom's. And Nordstrom's has a policy that they will take back Anything that's been purchased there. L.L. Bean has this same kind of policy. And the reality is many people don't take advantage of that. 
This man said about a year and a half ago, I bought a new Navy Blazer at Nordstrom's. It was one of those cases that you may have gone through that after buying an article of clothing, the more you wear it, the more you realize you don't like it. The blazer wasn't the right color, and to make matters worse, uh, to make matters worse, it uh, it was a, 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 a style that was going out. After wearing it pretty much regularly for six months, I stuck it in the back of my closet And I didn't wear it for a long time. Tucked in the back of my mind was the famous Nordstrom unconditional return policy. What I had thought, I had thought about this off and on for a year and a half. I had worn it a number of times and there was, I thought there was no way they were going to take it back. But two weeks ago, I decided I had nothing to lose. I pulled out the blazer. I threw it, uh, I threw a, um, picked off the lint. And uh, Oh, actually, he put on some lint to make it look bad and went down to the Nordstrom's department store. I walked in and immediately I felt nervous. I felt like I was pulling a scam of some sort, played right out of a movie. I walked straight up to the first salesman I saw and I gave him my little prepared speech. I'm about to put your famous unconditional return policy to the ultimate test. I have a blazer here that I wore a lot, had it for a year and a half, but I don't like it. It's the wrong color. Uh, It attracts lint, and it's going out of style. I want to return this blazer for another one. I couldn't believe what this big, handlebar, mustached guy looked at me and said, for heaven's sakes, what took you so long? Let's go find a blazer. Ten minutes later, I walked out with another blazer that was marked uh, $75 more than I had paid for the previous one. It was perfect, and it didn't cost me a penny. He goes on in the article to say that God is like that. God makes promises that we have to believe and take him up on. And that if we'll do that, God will help us tremendously. So the question then is, like Abraham, have you been given a promise? And you've written it off because of personal failures? Time, circumstances, this can't happen. It's time to take it to God, revisit that, because God doesn't make promises he won't keep. He wants to help us. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Maybe you're here this morning and you think, I'd love to have the promises of God, but I'm so far away from God. You don't understand all that I've done in life. You don't know all that I've been through, all that's happened, all that. And you may be right. I may not understand all of that. But God does. And one promise he's made to us, to every individual in here, is the promise of forgiveness. That if you'll simply come to God with all your hang-ups, all your problems, all who you are, and just simply come to an altar and say, this is my problem. I'm a sinner. And I need Jesus to forgive me. I need God to help me. If that's you, the promise that God made is that He will not reject you. He will hear you forgive you and help you.
And if you're here this morning, you're not right with God, you're not saved, you're not born again, or you're backslidden away from God, you want to receive the promises of God, I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, that's me. Would you pray for me? I'm not right with God. Not born again. I need Jesus. I'm away from God. I'm backslidden. I need to come back to Jesus. Anyone at all? Changing the call then to Christians, I want to ask your question. What's your relationship with the promise of God? Are there still something in your life that you bring glory to God? Or are you speaking words on how this will never happen? How all the circumstances are conspiring against you? How this problem and that problem and my failure here and my failure there and his failure and her failure and you know, all of this have conspired against and I can't have the promises of God. Abraham grew in the promises of God, strengthened himself by the words to bring glory to God. And so that's a great place to revisit and begin to reestablish. Are our words bringing glory to God? God's going to help us. God's going to move if we'll simply allow him to be who he is. Simply speak out This is who he is, and this is how he's going to help me. And we're going to open up these altars. Let's stand. We're going to sing a song, worship his name, take me past the outer courts, give him glory this morning. Talk to God about the promises. Tell him you want to claim those again.
Take a coal and take a coal, cleanse my lips here. Let's thank him this morning. Father, we love you.